Our presenting sponsor of this episode of the Culinary Now podcast is Forge to Table Knives. Forge to Table offers handmade Japanese-style knives at an affordable price. Forge to Table was started by Jewu alumnus Noah Rosen in the pursuit of the perfect knife for culinary students, home cooks, and chefs alike. Their flagship blade, the 8-inch Gyoto Chef's Knife, is a cult favorite among professional kitchens. Jamie, what are some of your favorites? Well, I don't know if you know this, but Forge Table actually also has accessories and apparel. And I just got a pair of their Vans kitchen shoes, which are tailored to pastry. They have, they're so fun. They have like donuts on them, which I love. And they're super, super comfortable. So those have become a quick favorite of mine. Uh, I do know about them because I also own a pair of the uh, the culinary ones, which have fish and uh, another sort of more savory items on them. Uh, they're also like super like like sharp. They're black with a little bit of white like decals on them. I like them a lot. Plus they're vans and they're uh, all non-slip. So you can wear them in the kitchen. You can wear them out and about and you know you will not be uh, taking any nosedives. Forge Table Knives are available at the JWU Student Store Bookstore. Uh, so head on over and pick one up today if you're on campus or go to forgetable.com and use the promo code CULINARYNOW, all caps, C-U-L-I-N-A-R-Y-N-O-W, and you will get 10% off your purchase at checkout. Forge Table wants all of the Culinary Now listeners to know, have, have a, a nice, nice day. day. to the Culinary Now podcast. I'm Jamie Schick. And I'm Matt Britt. Today on the pod, we're chatting with Boston Bruins team chef and JWU alum, Keith Garman. Keith, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here. Uh, looking forward to chatting with the two of you and having some fun. There's like so many things that I want to talk about because I think sports nutrition is just like so fascinating. I I can go deep down the rabbit hole in all of the ins and outs and minutia of it. And I actually think that your job is a really, really cool position. Like knowing you, I know that you're a sports fan and you're obviously a chef. So I have to think like this must be a dream job for you. Yeah. So it's uh, interesting how things kind of come together in life uh, with your career trajectory. It's never a linear thing that maybe you had originally planned when you went to culinary school and as your career develops and stuff. But yeah, having grown up playing hockey um, and then finding this position, applying for it and then getting it, it was kind of a almost too good to be true situation. But yeah, I couldn't be be happier to be part of a great uh, historic hockey organization and to be able to contribute to that through my craft of cooking. So I have a question. Uh, you said you grew up playing hockey. Like I know you're really close with Jamie. Um, not so much with me. We just met a few minutes ago. Um, where are you from? Or you grew up playing hockey. Are you actually a Bruins fan? Well, I originally grew up uh, outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I lived in a city called Johnstown, uh, which actually has a pretty big uh, hockey following and hockey culture to it. Uh, the cult classic film Slapshot from the 70s with Paul Newman was actually filmed where I grew up. So that was always kind of uh, part of the culture there. And we had a uh, a minor league team, the Johnstown Chiefs, for a while. Uh, unfortunately, they're no longer uh, around, but they've got a junior team now. And so 
hockey's always been a big part of the culture uh, where I grew up down there. So yeah, it's, it's been uh, part of the uh, experience. Not so that it's this you, album, Mike. Sorry, my, my my cat might pop in and out. No, it's all good. It's all good. We we have cats too. Well, you know we have cats, but Matt has cats too. So so did you know anything about nutrition before you started down the path of being the team chef for the Bruins? So I've had base knowledge from school and learning on my own. What's great about this job is that it's a collaborative effort between myself and then the Bruins also have a nutritionist, uh, Julie Nicoletti. And she's been absolutely fantastic in kind of guiding me and uh, learning a lot more about the benefits of nutrition. Um, and then applying that to the repertoire of cooking techniques that I've learned through uh, my career. So I would say originally to start, I didn't have the biggest background in nutrition, but through the course of leading up to the job and through the job itself, I've been able to learn uh, pretty quickly and kind of pivot pivot away from, you know, the cooking that you would do at a restaurant for say, and uh, limit the unhealthy aspects for that might be contributing to more flavor, but then on the reverse end of it, applying healthy ingredients with the same amount of flavor. So that's super interesting because it sounds almost like you have the best of both worlds. You have someone who's being sort of classically trained to bring the flavor, but then also someone who's there to not check them, but to also coach them and, and sort of guide those fundamental flavor development items and, and bring them more into align with what is considered nutritional best practice, especially when we talk about athletes. And, and, and it just opened up so many doors and so many questions for, for me now is like, Mike, what is, what is an athlete's diet? Like what are the main principles behind cooking for a, a professional hockey player? Like what are the, some of the big things you have to hit every meal? Well, re- re- recovery is a huge aspect, uh, to the hockey player uh, with the extreme amount of energy that's exerted in such a short amount of time. Um, You know, they're going for 30 seconds to a minute at full capacity exertion, you know, for a shift. And then, you know, on a game day doing that for, you know, anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes a game at full 150% uh, capacity. So being able to, not only provide the fuel beforehand, but also more importantly, the recovery after, Um, especially with hockey. Hockey is also a very physical sport, you know, so taking into play things like inflammation, muscle recovery, lactic acid buildup, and all kinds of different things. So with that, it's proteins, uh, lots of uh, complex carbohydrates, and then antioxidants for the inflammation and so on and so forth. That's so, that's like so interesting. I can only imagine like that some of this probably trickles over into your day-to-day eating habits. Like, have you changed your diet or have you like learned some of these things that you've incorporated into your own nutrition at home? Absolutely. Um, without a question, you're, you're more conscious of what you're putting in your body. You realize that it's 100% 100% fuel for, for your daily activities, especially as, uh, you, you know, a chef, you're also performing on a, on a day-to-day basis in the kitchen. 
it is a physically demanding job. We, uh, we all know that the long hours being on your feet, having to move quickly with a sense of urgency and efficiently and putting the right fuel in, in your body for those kind of things is super important. Um, and also for mental focus, being able to being able to multitask and keep track of all the things that you have going on when you're cooking throughout the day. And then just for general wellness, of course, you know, being at home and uh, being more conscious of what you're buying at the grocery store, what you're meal prepping for the week, things of that nature. So that's so interesting because I'm, I'm happy and, and, and kind of like, I, I'm like surprised. I, I, I'm not really surprised, but I'm, I am surprised that I didn't make that connection beforehand that you made the parallels between hockey and, and working in the kitchen. And while I like to sort of fancy that cooking is a full-time full contact sport, hockey players would probably certainly disagree with me, but there is a demand on your body. And I think that it's one of the things that we see a lot of chefs nowadays taking more of a holistic approach in their own diets so that they can perform at an optimal level. Like you just said, what does, you know, when we talk about performing at an optimal level, your, your demands are very unique because you're the personal chef of a hockey team that, you know, their schedule determines yours. Like, what does it look like being the chef? Like, cause we have a growing number of students that want to pursue sports nutrition, but I don't know if they really understand what the demands are from a schedule like a schedule wise. So you're the chef of the Bruins. Do you travel with the team? Do you not? I mean, are you working summers when the team's off or how does that work? So the schedule most definitely reflects around the team's schedule. Looking at myself from a daily routine, let's start with that. A practice day, we're looking at five in the morning, getting ready for breakfast, executing breakfast. Uh, breakfast service starts around 7.30, 8 o'clock. Uh, you know, that'll run till about 10, 10.30. And then immediately slash simultaneously executing a lunch service that'll then go quick right after that at 11 11 30 depending on when they would go on and off the ice for practice um you know and that can vary over the course of the season and then for a game day it would be that same process and then going to td garden preparing pre-game snacks a pre-game meal and then a post-game meal as well you know you could go a day where you're working a regular eight hour shift. And then there could be another day where you're working 16 hours straight and the schedule varies with, you know, they could be at home for five games in a row where you're looking at a two week window where you're working two weeks straight. And then I, I do not travel with the team. It's logistically not feasible from a number of different standpoints. Um, but then there could be a window where they're on the road, where your schedule's a little lighter, where you're cooking for, a few of the players and staff who are still in town, maybe recouping injuries or um, rehabilitating, things of that nature. And then that'll continue through the course of the season. So you're looking at beginning the season in around August on in a typical year. It's obviously been a, a not the same schedule this year with the pandemic and such, but on a, on a typical year, on a regular year, you would see the season begin. Uh, guys would start coming back into town around August. So we'd be starting to prepare meals in August and then training camp, which is, you know, the most demanding time of year, I would say, aside from the playoffs, because you have your regular team and then you have the minor league team plus guys who are trying out to make the team as well. Prospects, drafts, 
players, things of that. So your uh, number of people you're feeding doubles, if not triples at that time. But it's a, you know, two, three week window for training camp. And then we're into the season. And then the playoffs would normally start around April uh, this year. It's May. Uh, And then depending on how deep of a playoff run the team would make, you could be looking at going till June, July which the first season I worked with the team, they went all the way to the Stanley Cup final, and that was all the way through the middle of June. And then two weeks after that, the draft starts, and then they they have what was called development, or is called development camp, where in normal times they would bring prospects in. They would be cooking for that. That would be in July. Uh, and then you're right back at it. So it's you do get a little bit of a break of window there in the summer. It's a little lighter for sure. But, you know, it's essentially all year round. And uh, it's not much different from sport to sport. Um, The turnaround between when the season ends and when the season begins might seem like a significant amount of time to the, you know, the average fan or somebody. But from the people who are working, the staff, and it's still going on behind closed doors, you know. That is a full schedule. Like, for sure. Wow. That's that's a lot of stuff to manage, Um, which actually I actually have two questions about what you just said. My first question, I guess, is are you a team of one or do you have uh, cooks that work with you um, or are you just doing this all all yourself? Uh, right now, it's just me. Um, wow. I previously had had um, an assistant the year before and the year prior. And then this season, it's just myself. So uh, at max, we've only ever had one myself and one assistant. Is that so a position a t- that, that you're looking to eventually hire for again, or have they eliminated your assistant position? And no, it's most certainly a position that would come back onto the table down the road for sure, without question. Uh, it's possibly something that we'd be looking into uh, when things get back so, to normal. So that makes sense. So my second question was talking about that you do a lot of breakfast for them and lunch for them and pre-game and post-game what are some uh i guess team favorite meals that you tend to do over and over again or do you have do you stick to the same thing do you have a lot of flexibility in there i know this is kind of turning into a really loaded question but (laughs) no not at all so this will kind of tie back into the earlier question about nutrition with the guys and part of collaborating with the nutritionists so we kind of do an under umbrella offering of food where you'd be looking at let's take breakfast for example several protein options where you're looking at the uh, eggs custom ordered eggs omelets over easies whatever you name it frittata things of that nature a breakfast meat of some kind and then two kinds of carbohydrates typically it would you'd be looking at a, a variation of a waffle pancake, oatmeal, uh, hash brown. But then with that is where I get to have a little bit of fun with it, like uh, doing chia seed waffles or uh, sweet potato zucchini latkes or uh, pumpkin pancakes, you know, things where we're able to kind of take something that's super identifiable and then kind of incorporate the really nutritious ingredients into it. Healthy fats with avocados, antioxidants with tons of mixed berries, sliced melons, fruits, things of that nature, you know, and that's just bananas, potassium. That's just for breakfast, for lunch. 
you'd be kind of following <laughs> the same. like so much food already. <laughs> <laughs> They're very hungry. <laughs> um, so looking at, at lunch, it, you would follow the same formula where you're kind of going with, you know, having an assorted options for proteins, assorted options for carbohydrates, and then lots of vegetables. This is where we go heavy on the vegetables. Protein offering be one choice of like a lean land protein and then a high in omega-3 fish offering. And then the same thing, gluten-free carbohydrates. The, also noted all of the carbohydrates are gluten-free. We are a, we are a non-gluten, taking the approach, circling back to the inflammation yeah. aspect. The TB12 method. Right. And then tons and tons of veggies. Uh, a soup, bone broths, great for collagen, obviously your salads, things of that nature. And then for when there's a game day, which is, you know, the same, it's a very routine, almost ritual type thing where we would do a pasta bar as well with your assorted sauces, bolognese, uh, pestos, uh, salmon, broccoli, mashed sweet potatoes, and then there one cheat item, the chocolate chip cookies, which they love. So all those are gluten-free too. Yeah. So Keith, I have, a, I have a question. I mean, like, so hockey, like it's not all U.S. based players. I mean, there's players from Canada, there's players from Europe that are all kind of come through mm-hmm. your, uh, in your kitchen for food. Do you ever get someone who's just like, Hey Keith, like I got this dish from like Russia. Can, can you just throw it on the menu one day? Do you ever get to play around with some more uh, global ingredients to kind of maybe like fit into some of the players, like, you know, home memories or something like that? Absolutely. That's a, that's a important aspect to the job. You know, I like to think the kitchen and the food that I'm preparing is, you know, not only just the fuel that they need, but it's also a time for comfort and a time for blowing off steam and de-stressing and recuperating mentally as well and and getting some satisfaction from the meal, not just arbitrarily refueling yourself. You know what I mean? And I think that's a huge part of bringing balance to the to my department of the team. And with that comes the fact that you, you are dealing with guys from all over the globe. And that's what makes it fun because, you know, one day when we're not locked into a pregame meal or something, you know, I might do a healthy version of a, sh- a schnitzel, you know, with like uh, oats and cornflakes as the breading and, and baking it, you know what I mean? For an example, or a venison shepherd's pie with sweet potatoes. So there's, there's definitely plenty of opportunity where that pops up. And there's definitely, you know, uh, a, a relationship and understanding between myself, the players and the staff that, you know, they feel comfortable approaching me about if there's a need or if there's a, a craving that's within reason, we most certainly are going to accommodate it. Oh man, that's so much food that you've just talked about. <laughs> what, uh, like, what is their like calorie intake? Do you know like how many calories they're like consuming? Uh, a lot off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. like, um, you know, and that's the other aspect of the umbrella offering is that, you know, everybody's dietary needs are going to be different. Do the different positions require different dietary needs then? In theory, yes, because there's different forms of movement that require different energy outputs, playing styles specific to the player. But more or less, you're looking at, you know, body size, body mass index, age, you know, the fueling needs are going to be far different for, uh, 
you know, an 18 year old guy who's just joined the league, who's maybe looking to fully um, build out as opposed to, you know, a 30 plus year old veteran who's been in the league for a decade and knows exactly what he needs, what he functions best off of and this and that. So it varies for sure. And that's another cool, I'm going to talk about this for a second aspect of the job that has kind of evolved since I started there. And again, with the help of the nutritionist who's implemented a lot of this stuff as well, is approaching the prospects, the draftees, the minor league guys who are maybe young, younger and not as uh, educated about their nutrition as perhaps the more veteran players are establishing cooking classes that we've done with these guys. And having one-on-one sessions with them where we can show them how to make a piece of salmon in their house or make an omelet for themselves or things of that nature. So they have the tools where, you know, if they're at home and they need to, you know, refuel for themselves, where they should that arise, that they know they have the, the tools to do so and understand the choices that they're going to make in their own personal lives to help make better choices. Keith, I remember you said you grew up playing hockey. And I mean, we're talking about cooking for pros right now. But like, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't like, you know, sort of extend this conversation to proper eating for for younger people as well. I mean, I I know that the people that you cook for are, are idols to so many young kids that are playing hockey. Do you, you know, what is your take on how early students or not students, young hockey players should start conditioning their body with a healthy diet? I mean, I know it's not always within their control, but do you think that there is a significant benefit you could have by eating healthier earlier in your career? Because I'm I'm just going to, I'll go back a little bit. Like I remember like decades ago, like being a professional sports uh, athlete, like they had beer bellies on the ice. I mean, it really wasn't a priority back then. And now sports nutrition is like shot up. It's such a, a huge thing. How important at a young age is it to get nutrition into the sports, uh, you know, sort of like algorithm? It's an interesting um, topic because my personal viewpoints of it at the, at the foundational level of introducing this at the younger age group who are playing sports, at the bare minimum, you're establishing healthy habits for life. Regardless of whether they go on to play beyond high school, they go to play collegiate level, you know, or make it all the way to the to the to the big show. Um, but establishing the fundamentals of healthy decision making at its core. For me, I I think I I don't altogether. You're you're at putting added pressure on kids that maybe already have enough pressure on them already. That's a good point. So I think being over hyping the the need to have that edge maybe isn't beneficial for everybody. But, you know, I think that's on a personal level. I think each person, that's where the education begins is understanding at a young age, how does my body feel when I eat this? Or how does my body feel when I eat this? I know for a fact that this is not good for me. I know for a fact that this is really good for me. And kind of establishing like getting to know your body, especially as a, you know, a young athlete, you're trying to perform, but also your, your body's changing constantly. Um, as you grow, as you get stronger, as you get better at your sport, you know, you have so many more variables than somebody who's reached full, full maturity as well. So it's important for sure to get, like I said, the foundations of making healthy habit choices and things of that nature. Um, but I think then it goes kind of down to the individual basis where there's not a one size fits all formula for 
young kids in sports need to be doing this or, or, you know, when you get to high school, you need to be following this regiment that, you know, that it's different for everybody. It's good insight. Yeah. So Keith, what was one of the biggest things that surprised you uh, when you first got into this role and this position, whether it's like how much they, the volume or just something completely like random that was totally surprising to you? Well, the, the one, as you uh, mentioned, was how much food was required to be made and how much is eaten. Um, how many people are you actually cooking for? Uh, right now, any given day, 40 to 50. And that includes the staff. Just how team oriented and down to earth everybody was, I think. I think uh, 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 leading to your previous question about growing up playing hockey in how that kind of influenced the job. I think for sure I was definitely in the back of my mind, like, oh man, you're about to cook for guys you looked up to and pros that you've followed for a really long time. And now you're the one cooking the food for them. So that, you know, can be a little, little intimidating, but when I first started, for sure, they feel right at home and everybody very down to earth and team oriented. And, you know, it's been a great organization to work for. Thanks again to Keith for joining us today on the pod. And thanks as always to Maddie Burns, who does all the music for the Culinary Now podcast. You can find us on all social media at Culinary Now podcast, or you can reach us via email if you have any questions or topic suggestions or guests at culinarynowpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, and don't forget to smash the subscribe button and leave us a review. Five stars, please. We'll talk to you soon. And we are.